Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast, where we talk about life, business, entrepreneurship, the beauty industry, and beyond. My name is Gina Bianca, life and business coach, salon owner, educator, mastermind mentor, and your host of the Gina Bianca podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast. It has been a minute, and I'm glad to be recording again. I took a little bit of a break to just focus on myself and my mental health and all of my work. I have so much going on. Uh, we have been uh, doing really well at the network, and I have been so like eager to come back to the podcast, but I needed a second, and I couldn't think of a better way to come back than to really update you on what's been going on in my life. So I just got back from my yoga teacher training at the beautiful Blue Osa in Costa Rica. And I have a new mentor and teacher. And I asked him before I left, I was like, will you please come on my podcast and, you know, share about yourself, about Blue Osa? And he said, yes. I was like, oh my God, he said yes. So he's here. Um, I want to introduce you to my new mentor and teacher. I just spent two weeks with him in Costa Rica in like this total immersion experience. It was wonderful. So welcome Yogi Aaron to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's just, it's great to be here and, and continue the conversation. Absolutely. I had such a wonderful time at Blue Osa. If you're considering doing your yoga teacher training, this place was so amazing and the food was great. The education was beyond. I learned so much and I can't believe that like I learned how to teach yoga like, I can't believe like on Thursday when I taught my yoga class that I had learned enough to teach a yoga class in such a short period of time. It was just so awesome. I know all of, so many of you guys like by the Thursday before are like, you know, how are we going to do this? What's going to happen? You know, and it, it's just like, just trust the process. You will be fine. <laughs> it's hard to make that leap sometimes, but it actually does happen. Yeah, it was so amazing. And I thought like I was going to be learning about the postures, which we did. We learned about asana, the postures. And I didn't realize like how much goes into it besides just the poses. Like you teach a lot about muscle activation. You teach a lot about stability and strength and mobility. And I just learned so much. So thank you. Again. Yeah, you're very welcome. And you just said, um, if any of your listeners are wanting to do yoga teacher training, but I would actually say like, if any of your listeners just want to really immerse and have a true yoga immersive experience that was really one of the main drives for me to start the trainings I didn't want to really lead yoga teacher training I really wanted to teach yoga and um but then I just found it was like a hand in glove just offering that experience of because when you're teaching yoga when you have to go through that process of teaching yoga it makes you understand um, the practice is so much better because then you actually are, you know, reciting what you've learned and, and putting words to it, which is, it creates a different level of potency and um, sort of ownership of, of the material. So 
Absolutely. And the lifestyle was just amazing. Like I'm, I'm not really a morning person. My husband is a morning person and he's always trying to get me to wake up with him, but we were up at, I was up, my alarm was at 4:20 every day. I got up, we did a guided, beautiful meditation. I actually got to teach the meditation one of the days. And it was just amazing to get on like a nice routine and so inspiring to like, keep it going. And again, the food was amazing. Like I'm a red meat type of person. Like I eat steak medium rare, like three times a week. I eat so much red meat. We had some meat a couple of days, but it was mainly like vegetarian. I tried so many new things that I don't typically eat. And I, I feel amazing. People are like, you look great. I'm like, I feel like clean, clear, like feel so good. Oh, that makes me so happy. <laughs> that's, yeah. I mean, that's what it's like to immerse into like a yogic sort of environment where it, you know, the idea is to like leave your mind lighter. <laughs> How many people feel like such a heaviness in their mind? And, and the goal of yoga is to like free the mind of some of that heaviness. So that makes me so happy. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. You Gina. really have a great thing going. Thank um, you. I, I wanted to just ask, like, start the conversation with you about like, what is yoga? Like people will go and, and they think yoga is like putting their feet behind their head and like going into a pretzel, but like, what is yoga beyond the poses? Yeah, I would, I mean, it's, it's kind of an interesting way to phrase the question. What is yoga beyond the poses? It's the poses are sort of I mean, <laughs> yes, <laughs> the, I always kind of like turn to the yoga sutras whenever anybody asks me that and just thinks, think about like, well, what is, what are the sutras saying? And really by the second, third sutra, we get a very, very crystal clear picture of what the intention of yoga is, which on one hand seems very simple. Um, but yet it's really profound. It's really, how can I live a more happy life? How can I fulfill the purpose of my life? And, and I just want to kind of come back to that question or that, that statement that you made beyond the asana. Because I think that with our sort of Western um, kind of fitness model culture, that we've kind of equated this idea of putting my foot behind my head with I'm going to be a happier person, which doesn't make sense. And, um, and I don't know anybody that can put their foot behind their head that has, that has directly, you know, helped them to live and manifest their life purpose. <laughs> so I think that, you know, from a, from a scriptural standpoint, it's really about how here are some tools to live a happier life. Here are some tools on how to get rid of pain. Here are some rules to walk more effortlessly in life because this is your birthright. And this is the way that life is supposed to be um, all about. But the road to get there is not necessarily easy because we have to start to undo and disassemble like so much of what we think is true or what we believe in. And and that kind of part is a little bit of work, but once we really start to invest in it, it just becomes easier and easier the more we get into it. I love it. Cause that was something that I learned. Like I didn't realize how much there was to unpack 
about Mm -hmm. yoga. Like it's not (laughs) just the poses. It's definitely a way of life and a lifestyle. And I loved, loved learning about it. But before we get too deep into the what, the how, like all of those things, like tell us about you. Um, I found you on a Google search. I was like Costa Rica, total immersion yoga training. And it was like, boom, blue Osa. And like, that's how I found you and started learning more about you. And I would love to just introduce you to my audience, which, you know, my audience is a lot of hairdressers, business owners, entrepreneurs, have some nurses on here. I have like a lot of people, different kinds of people, but it's not necessarily like a yoga crowd. So I would love for them to learn about you and you know you are an entrepreneur business owner with Blue Osa so tell us about you and like bird's eye view like a little bit about you and your experience opening a yoga retreat center in a completely different country well I just not to go too off tangent but just like you know just a few seconds I've been an entrepreneur all my life. Um, at six years old, I was always scheming of ways to make money. <laughs> and so it's been really part of who I am. And I tried to get away from it for a while, but I always reverted back to, you know, cause I'm a, I'm, I'm a person that likes to create. When I moved to New York City um, in 2001, I started a yoga studio but it was a gradual thing, but it really was really because um, I ended up wanting just to do my own thing and I didn't want to have to answer to other people. That's the short story. But along that journey of, of having my own studio in New York City, I started leading yoga retreats. And on one yoga retreat, I came to Costa Rica and just fell in love with it. It's a magical place. Um, it's, it's, it's a vibrant country. Um, and I went to the Osa Peninsula and even fell more in love with it. And just immediately, like the words home uh, really rang true for me at that moment. And at that time, I was also wanting to really create a yoga community um, or have a space for people who wanted to experience community. And I knew that the power of a retreat was really potent. And people just come to Belosa, whether it's a personal retreat or in a group or teacher training, and their life shifts um, in a very potent way. And so that's that was what kind of drove me to opening Blue Osa. Uh, We opened it in 2010. That was our, our beginning. And I think now, what are we in our 13th year? <laughs> so it's, it's been quite a journey to get here. Um, but the intention of, of what we've wanted to do was, has always been the same. And that is to really hold a space for people to kind of steep into the possibilities of what yoga can be. And so Blue Osa isn't just about doing postures. Um, we're not a huge um, resort that's like invested in, in having a ton of yoga classes. We do have a asana ritual in the daytime, but we also like open up the doorway to people experiencing other parts of yoga, like practicing silence in the morning until 7.30, like the mantras um, that we play. At nighttime, we have our evening rituals where we come together as a community and, it, um, and take a moment to just feel gratitude. So all of those things are really um, key ingredients of the yoga tradition, spending time in nature. (laughs) What better way to get in touch with yourself than being 
in the middle of a rainforest jungle on the beach. Hello. Um, <laughs> so all of these things, all of these different elements are what we see as part of the yoga tradition, if you will. And, um, and then we try and make it accessible to as many people uh, as we can. I love it. And, um, you know, speaking to like the entrepreneurs who listen, something that like really stuck out to me in your teachings was when you were talking about like spiritual downloads. Um, (laughs) And, you know, you had said when we were there, you were like, you know, when I opened this, I didn't know what I was doing. And I would have these moments where I would just figure it out. And you called it a spiritual download. And I have had these moments too. And it's like when you can be still and when you like, I like, well, when I'm like praying or meditating, I say, show me the path and I will walk it. Show me the path and I will walk it. What do I do? Or like I ask for the answer and, and the answer comes in small voices. It's like the small moments that you just like know what to do. And could you expand upon that even just a little bit of like moments where you just like figured out like how, like opening a studio in a completely different country, like your setup there, even like your eco setup, like who figures that out? Like, how do you know what to do? <laughs> Well, I mean, just for the record, I don't know anything about what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Um, but yeah, I, I really believe that we are constantly receiving guidance. And if you want to call it from God, call it from God. If you want to call it the universe, the universe, whatever. But we're constantly receiving uh, guidance and the yogis call it like celestial or divine guidance. And um, it's described in the form of like a drop, you know, in the Christian tradition, they call it the tongues of fire, you know. Um, And but whatever you believe, we're getting this guidance and and to put it in kind of simple layman's terms, it sometimes it's referred to as like the aha moment. Like, aha, I got it. I'll never forget when I was, um, you know, living in New York City. And I, all of a sudden, I started getting this inspiration, this, this thing inside of me, like, oh, I should open an ashram. And I should open up a place for community. I need to open up a place for people to uh, come together and, and, um, experience community, experience brotherhood, experience a congregation. And I, I got that idea. And my first inclination was to open up an ashram in New York City. And, and so I started like going, I literally got together with a realtor and started going around. And, you know, it wasn't, that idea was just sitting there And, you know, a lot of people would just say, oh, that's just a stupid idea. Just throw it away, you know, but I really embraced it. And I allowed myself just to hold that idea. And I held on to it for a long time. It was really a good part of two years that people would say to me sometimes like, oh, how's it going with the ashram or how's it going with this, you know, place that you want to build? And I would always say, well, all I can tell you is it's still a borning. <laughs> I'm still sitting with it. And I'll tell you something. When the idea came or when I found Bluosa, it was like it all came together. And, 
as as yogis, like, you know, we have to acknowledge like we don't have to know everything, but just trust and and things just sort of work it. They they do work themselves out. Um, you know, just over the years with Blue Osa, I have had no idea how to build a water tower, how to get water from one part of the property to another part of the property or, you know, solar panel configuration. But it's just, I'll tell you something, sometimes in the mornings when I wake up and I'm doing my practice and all of a sudden it's like, it just drops in. Okay, that's how we got to do it. And then I go find an expert and then they take over the rest. Um, but it's just a lot of it is just trust. And as you said, Gina, I think really perfectly, just having a willingness to be still that answers are not going to come from us trying to pull them out of somewhere, but it's like in stillness, we're literally surrendering and letting go of any preconceived idea that we had and being willing to receive new information. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and what I learned from you, uh, well, I kind of learned that I'd been doing yoga, like not that correctly. Um, I was, I was kind of like, <sighs> we did a photo shoot right before I got to blue Osa of, uh, the yoga studio, all the teachers came in, we did a photo shoot and my form is trash. Like my form is just like, I was always collapsing into things and doing a lot of things passively. Um, and what I learned from you is something a little bit different. So can you expand upon, you know, even a little bit about like why your teachings are different when it comes to yoga and you talk about it as like modern yoga, like yoga for today. And I love that you call us yogis on the go. <laughs> Cause we're like, <laughs> it's like my favorite. I'm like, I am a yogi on the go. <laughs> we got stuff for, we got stuff to do. <laughs> you got to get this now. Um, well, there's two things I would like to say. One is you asked me, how do I teach yoga differently? I actually think that I teach yoga um, very traditionally. And, and when I say traditionally, that kind of means a few things. But one, I think that the, the heart of what yoga is about has been lost on so many levels. And, and, and it's becoming more and more and more diluted. Um, and, and I could really expand on that, but this is not the place to do that. What I will say is that I really try to return to what is the intention of yoga. I try to um, teach people the scriptures so that there's a scriptural reference um, or basis for everything. Um, we need to be grounded in the theory and then we can go and practice. And I'm sure that you kind of witnessed during your teacher training, during your two weeks with us, like how still people got over those two weeks. And we really saw that like in morning meditation um, during the morning practice, you know, day one, everybody is constantly fidgeting. But by the end of the two weeks, people started getting really still and quiet. Um, so that's, that's one aspect of it. And in the tradition, one of the things that we look towards is helping people to get more stable. And that's something that we don't see a lot of stability being taught today. Um, very few teachers understand this teaching of stability and how to teach it. Um, part of that teaching of stability is to help people become pain-free 
And from a biomechanical standpoint, the only way to become pain-free is when our bodies, our muscular system is working uh, better. And so, as you just said earlier, you look at these other photos and you can see, you know, yourself kind of collapsing into the poses. And what I endeavor to teach people is actually how to become more engaged in poses and to use their muscular system rather than uh, kind of violating their muscular system and what their, what their body is telling them um, and using what their body is telling them as a way to actually start creating more stability. So an example of that is like in muscle tightness. Um, from an ayama perspective, which is the basis of what we teach, applied yoga anatomy and muscle activation, we're really looking at muscle tightness as, a, as an indication that there's an instability in the body. The body begins to tighten up as a protective mechanism. And so if we start to look at it through that window, we can start to go, okay, if the hamstrings are tightening up, then other muscles are not doing their job. The hamstrings are tightening up because the other muscles in the, in the legs, primarily like the quads, for example, are not contracting properly. So because the brain isn't connecting with the, with the um, thighs, with the quads, it's saying to the hamstrings, tighten up, tighten up, tighten up. And so what do we do? We violate the body by trying to stretch the hamstrings <laughs> as opposed to dealing with the actual issues. I think that there's a couple of areas where I really differ. But in your yoga classes, you constantly hear teachers saying to you, like, Gina, you know, push it, push it, go to the edge, go to the edge, go to the edge. Actually, I'm the complete opposite. I tell my students, go 35% to what you think you should be doing and stay there and just be still and breathe. And that's a completely, complete paradigm shift from what other people are teaching. <laughs> and why do you teach it that way? Because when we're constantly pushing into a pose, you know, I mean, there's so many answers I could give. I think when I first started doing it, when I first started teaching this way, a lot of it was because people are constantly moving towards something. They're constantly moving away from where they are and to try and get something else. And they're never happy with where they are. So at a very fundamental basis, from a yogic perspective, we're practicing santosha, contentment with just where we are. Be where you are, be still in that place and just breathe. From a biomechanical standpoint, when we start pushing the body and, and we end up creating more stress, trauma and overuse. And we can see this like people who consistently practice Bikram or Nishtanga yoga or hot yoga, or even a lot of these kind of flow yoga classes, people have chronic pain in their neck and their shoulders in their knees, um, even in their hips, people constantly dealing with tight hips. They're never really dealing with the root issues because they're constantly just moving and stretching. And what I'm trying to teach people is actually, no, back off a lot. Now let's just look at where we are and see where there's an opportunity to create more engagement, more muscle activation. 
as opposed to just seeing, okay, how far can I bring my foot behind my head? It never became more clear to me. I was teaching a class one time and it was, it was obviously a muscle activation oriented Ayama class. And I had this guy come up to me because I loved your class. I'm wondering if you have any tips for me. You know, he was doing dancer pose. Dancer pose is when you bring your foot behind you and then try and straighten your leg. He was actually had the ability to almost bring his foot to his head. I mean, if you can just kind of picture that. But then he asked me, he was like, I really just want to bring my foot past my head. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, how much flexibility do you need to have to be happy? And so by back, getting people to back off right away, it just stops that ego stuff right in its tracks. And then we can really start to address some deeper issues and, and learn how to create contentment just where we are in that stillness and state steadiness. Yeah, I love that. I think a lot of it ha in, in my industry too, like the hair industry, you know, we're always comparing ourselves to people on Instagram and like, we want our work to look like theirs, or we want to be as successful as them. And it's a lot of ego driven stuff. And I feel like yoga is the same. Like when people think of yoga, they think of like these perfect size two people who can do all of these crazy advanced poses. And a lot of people are afraid to try it. They're like, well, I'm not flexible enough, or I'm not blank enough, or I'm I, I can't. And they're very intimidated by yoga because of social media. Um, I, I feel like it's definitely not great. Well, I just, you know, if you have a body check, <laughs> if you can breathe, hopefully check, um, then you can do yoga. And, and that's what I'm all about with, you know, the work that I'm doing right now. Um, it's just to kind of flip the script to create more opportunities um, for a bigger tent, if you will, for people to come into and practice yoga. It's not just all about um, skinny, <laughs> skinny women <laughs> and Lululemon um, taking beautiful Instagram pictures uh, on, you know, a rock. <laughs> Yeah. There's a place it's, for, there's a place for everybody in yoga. And I hope that I can yes. honor, you know, honor your teachings. And like when I teach classes, like bring, expand that to be more inclusive because, you know, I started yoga when I broke my foot, like I couldn't do anything. And I did mm -hmm. private classes with my teacher, Bethany, and she, she really like made me feel like I could do it. And I was like very depressed because I had a broken foot for a really long time and I kept working on it. And I was, I was really struggling with that pain for like two years. And then I also had some psychosomatic pain associated with closing my first salon in my foot, where if I would uh, have problems with an employee, my foot would start throbbing. Uh, and it wasn't until I really started like doing some intense therapy that I realized a lot of the pain in my foot was mental pain. And I got into yoga because I needed to do something to make me less depressed, stop hating my body. And I still struggle with body issues and trusting my body as mm. you've noticed, um, during my time at Blue Osa, I definitely had some emotional moments of like, just really mm. trying to heal and trust my body. And I'm so grateful that yoga is available because it does, it's more than putting yourself into a pretzel. It's more than being this Instagram perfect 
person. And I really hope that I could like honor your teachings and what you've taught me and help spread that message. Thank you. Thank you. I, you're going to be a great ambassador to help people start to live even more of their best life. And that's, that's the goal. And, and to help us all to become better versions of ourselves, to be nicer to each other. (laughs) Yeah. And nicer to ourselves. I think that that's like the biggest thing. Like yoga really, really helps me accept my body and love my body where it's at, even though I can get a little crazy with it. Like I'm a very competitive person and I am guilty of like wanting to be further than I'm at, but I really love the idea of getting on your mat, like where you're at. Yeah, you know, I just want to say one thing about that, Gina, I, you know, for me personally, I used to be like that, like, you know, especially when I first started taking Ashtanga yoga, look at all of these kind of like, you know, 75 pound women. (laughs) I don't I probably were more than that. But that was my opinion at that moment. Um, Being able to literally fly. And, you know, I'm 100. Well, at the time, I was 180 pounds. And my, my frame was very different, but you know, gosh, darn it. I made myself do those things. And then I really have hurt myself. And, um, shortly after that, and I can tell you now that the measure of my sort of quote unquote yoga practice, there's a few different things, ways that I kind of measure the success of my own practice. And I can tell you, it has nothing to do with if I can do handstand, if I can do triangle pose, Um, if I can put my foot behind my head, what it's got to do with like yesterday, I just went on a hike and it was 11 kilometers. It was up in the mountains and the measure of my practice was how happy was I in the hike? You know, how, um, how much energy did I have and how much, you know, pain did I experience? I didn't experience any pain. Sometimes you know, 10 years ago, which was a long time ago compared to now, I went hiking and my body would like be sore for four days afterwards. For the first 24 hours, I'd barely be able to move because I would have my back would seize up a little bit. Um, my glutes and my, my, uh, um, my thighs would be really too sore that every time I would start to move, it would be like, oh my God, but now I don't have that issue anymore. That's, that's one of the bars that I have. The other bar is how happy I am in life. And I would say to your listeners, like that should be the bar. If you're doing a yoga practice and you're not happy, go find a new teacher. If you're doing a yoga practice and who cares that you might be able to put your foot behind your head, but if you go home and have the same dysfunctional life, go find a new teacher because your yoga practice should be addressing any kind of dysfunctions or any kind of like blockages before we were talking about spiritual downloads. Like when you're having a yoga practice that's thriving, those spiritual downloads should be coming like almost all the time. And that's the bar that I, I set for myself and how successful of a practice I have. Yeah, that's amazing. As a new studio owner, like learning my yoga training in the way that I did, like the total immersive experience, like where I was able to experience, like I had like two pretty intense, like spiritual downloads and like moments (laughs) of like, like in a lot of moments of like amazing creativity. 
Yeah. Like I felt way creative. Like after Shabbos and I like, couldn't, it's almost like I like had an idea and I was like, Oh my God, like I have like so much creativity and it was really, really wonderful. But, um, let's talk about your podcast. Cause you just came out with a new podcast. I was able to listen to most of it. I think I have one more episode left and it's really awesome. And it's a really great story. Like I really, I love how you set it up. So did you want to share about your podcast? Sure. Um, and so it's an eight part series. Um, we launched the first three episodes right away. And then every month, starting in July, we're going to be releasing another episode um, every month until it's finished. Um, but the podcast is called Stop Stretching. <laughs> Stop Stretching, a yoga podcast. And it's I mean, that's really what it's all about is stop stretching, but it's also a podcast that I'm hoping and praying that non-yoga people will listen to as well. And it's, it's an invitation for everybody to come into yoga with a different mindset that yoga is not about stretching. One of, one of the things that I've been very passionate about in teaching my students, even before I really went down the Ayama applied yoga anatomy and muscle activation rabbit hole that I've been very passionate about is nowhere in the yoga scriptures, yoga teachings. Um, is there a word, is there any mention about flexibility or stretching? And I think that's a very profound thing because all of a sudden now somehow this stretching business has hijacked, you know, the yoga world. And, and even to some degree, it's kind of spilled over into the fitness world. Um, we never really saw stretching to be that important until yoga really started to become more important. And, and so I'm hoping that people will start to be able to listen to it and understand a little bit about why maybe stretching actually might not be so good for you. There's a lot of science um, to show that actually stretching can cause more problems in the long term. Long term, if we take like an extreme example of gymnasts, for example, and look at the range of motion that gymnasts, you know, have, well, we see these beautiful, young, healthy. I've got. I'm doing my air quotes right now for your listeners. Healthy uh, people going out there and and doing these amazing things, and we as a viewer kind of view that and go, oh. That's what a healthy person looks like. Well, yeah, they're healthy because they're 16, 18 year olds <laughs> doing these amazing things. But when those gymnasts turn 25, 26, 30 years old, they're not doing that stuff anymore. Um, and they end up having to walk through life in, you know, um, uh, ACE bandages, um, knee braces. A lot of them have to go in for surgery to correct, you know, a lot of things. And so why are we holding that as sort of the image of health and, and wellness? And so part of the podcast is to flip the script on that. Um, we dive deep into uh, the history of yoga and kind of like look at what, how, how should we be practicing yoga and why did we get to where we are right now? And one of my favorite episodes is coming up in episode seven, where we're going to talk about what should you look for in a teacher? And if you are a yoga teacher, what are some different things? Here's some different tools that you can use to start making some changes in your yoga class to really create more inclusivity. 
I love that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the first few episodes have been awesome. And I love the, <laughs> the way that you did the podcast. I really love Thank it. Thank you. So Thank you. If you uh, want to listen, he's on Spotify, iTunes, you could just look for stop stretching and you can find it. Um, I have another question and mainly because of my audience, like, mm-hmm. this, like I said, it's not really like a yoga show. I'm sure yoga teachers, some yoga teachers listen. Um, and I hope more will listen in the future, um, with kind of the topics and stuff I'm going to bring on the podcast, but most of our, our audience are hairstylists, salon owners, entrepreneurs, business owners. And a question that I keep getting because of the state of the world is how can we uh, prepare for a recession? Uh, And just because of like the natural progression of our economy and things going on in the world and politics and all of these things, and it's not something I really want to discuss on the podcast, but more the mindset of how to navigate something like that, you know, and I really think mindset is so key. So do you have any advice, like as an entrepreneur and business owner yourself and as a yogi and as a teacher, like what advice would you give one of your students who is a business owner and who is nervous or like stressing about something like that? Like, do you have any advice or wisdom for them? Oh Lord. (laughs) I know it's a lot to unpack, but I'm asking everyone this question because it's a question on everyone's mind. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Some of what I have to say might be a little controversial. So that's okay. Um, um, so I hope nobody will send me hate email, um, or, or notices after, but you know, when, First of all, one of the philosophies that I've always had is to always make sure I have enough money in the bank to get me through the next year. So I'm constantly putting a part of our funds into the bank, into savings. And so that, you know, when anything happens, and I remember probably about six, five, six, seven years ago, my business partner and I got into a huge argument a couple of times, actually. Like he would turn to me and say, why do you need that much money in the bank? And I said, he he would say like, we could use it for things. We could pay ourselves. We could do so many other things. Why do you feel like you need that money in the bank? And I always said, I never know what's going to happen. And guess what happened in 2020? As we all know, the pandemic happened. And I was kind of like chuckling to myself for, you know, a little bit because I had that like, you know, buffer and, Thank God we did, because that really got us through eight months of being closed and then another six to eight months before we actually started to open and, you know, get things going again. So I uh, that's the first tip is just start putting some money away. Call it your rainy day fund. Don't touch it. Um, Just keep it separate and 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 just have that on hand um, if that's a possibility. But when the pandemic did happen, and this has always been my philosophy with um, my business, um, especially during COVID, and it's something that somebody said to me when I was like 22, 23, something like that, years old. And it was, it was a whole paradigm shift. And it's going to sound cheesy maybe to some people, but for me at that moment, it was like kind of like an aha moment. And what they said was like, there is a river gushing of money. 
And it doesn't really, you know, it's constantly flowing. And all you got to do is just put your toe into it. And, you know, during the pandemic, um, we actually saw uh, there were some business owners that actually thrived and did really well. We saw the housing market just exploded um, also during that time, which is like, what? <laughs> the world shut down. How is all of this stuff happening right now? Well, that's because people always have money. And I think that as a business owner, I'm always trying to market to everybody. And in times of like the pandemic, I just was became very strategic in who, you know, where is, where is their possibilities of creating um, uh, business opportunity and just being open to going, going for it and, and, marketing to those groups of people um that's so having that mindset like there's enough for everybody i think is really helpful and turning off the news and hearing the depression and and, and just kind of stop listening to it go and create your own way be a path um uh, uh, path, uh, trailblazer. That was the word I was looking for. Be a trailblazer in life. Stop following other people. Step out of the box. And so, you know, part of that, like putting your toe into that river that is just flooded with with money, with energy. That was where that. That was one place where that um, affirmation that I gave to you during teacher training. Uh, which is I'm opening myself up to the universe of limitless possibilities. And, and anytime I go to fear, I just go back to that place. And then those, those aha moments come in. Um, and then the last place I would look to, and this is just more of a strategic sense again. So I gave like one strategic idea was to start creating a fund and just putting money away. Um, and have it there and don't touch it and always you know ask yourself what your comfort level is if your comfort is like I need ten thousand dollars to get me through three months and put that money away if it's hundred thousand dollars put that money away but whatever it is put that money away the second um, uh, thing that I would say is like look at where you can cut things and one of the gifts for Blue Osa in the pandemic was to look at like where is the fat? Where can we trim fat? And, and we changed a lot of our business model from it because there was a lot of high overhead and we realized we don't really need that high overhead. So we got rid of a lot of overhead and started changing um, a lot of structural things in our organization so that that actually freed up a lot more um, money to be able that we could put away uh, for other things. So I don't know if that helps, but that's just some ways that I've strategically moved um, through some of the challenges that we've been facing. Yeah, totally. And I, I think that it's really important to talk about like trimming expenses when it comes to increasing profit, because a lot of people are like, how am I going to make more money? How am I going to make more money? But a way to make more money is to trim uh, in areas that aren't really serving you. And, you know, for me, I have like five different businesses and I have to look at like where my prana, my energy is going and <laughs> what that is giving me back. Cause a lot of the times I'll put a lot of energy into something that's not giving back what it needs to, for me to spend that much time. So like with your focus, like trimming where your focus is and trimming where you're spending is a huge, uh, huge, um, 
you know, great piece of advice. And also the emergency fund. If we haven't learned by now that we need an emergency fund, then we're never going to learn like at this point. (laughs) And I love the abundance mindset. I think it's so special and so important to share that. Um, thank you so much, Yogi Aaron, for spending your time with me. You're very welcome. And talking with my audience. Uh, I won't take up too much more of your time, but if you want to, um, if you have any closing thoughts um, and even sharing where people can find you so that they can follow you and I'll be sure to post in the show notes in the links below uh, everything that he mentions and more. I Do I have any closing thoughts? I have a lot of closing ideas. Um, but I would just say to your listeners, take time to learn from Gina uh, because she is a wealth of gifts and knowledge and she's got a lot to offer you guys and you guys are well taken care of with Gina. Um, your guys are in great hands and, and what she's offering you guys in terms of the yoga and other things that she's going to be offering very soon in the future um, it's going to be life-changing for many of you and what a gift it is to have such a vibrant and passionate and deeply caring person in your life. So I want to thank you for stepping up into your purpose and just shining and doing, doing your best. And thank you for being that example for everybody. Thank you. That was so sweet. I love you. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, I'm going to put all of his information in the caption, everybody. And thank you so much, Yogi Aaron, again, for spending your time with us. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you on the next one.